don't know what he's done for me. Oh my God, he gave me. That's why, that's why I love him. I many really really love him give the Lord a hand praise let's sing that last part again you don't know what he's done for me gave me the victory and I Say that again. I really love him. One more time. Say it. I really love the Lord. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand. Praise one more time. Let us just quickly pray and then we'll get into our message for the day. Father, this afternoon, thank you once again, Lord, because you're good all the time, Lord. This morning, you awakened us to see a new day, a day we'd never seen before. Lord, you awakened us in our right minds. We know we're in our right minds because we're here. We're here in the house of prayer. We're here in the house of the Lord. We're here among saints of God. And we're here to hear from you, Lord. We're here to listen and to hear what you say to the church. We thank you, Lord. Give us ears to hear. Give us a, a heart to receive of the good things that you have for us this afternoon. Bless each heart today. We thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Yes. Be seated. I was going to let you stand while I read, but no, no. Be seated. Go ahead and be seated. And we do reverence the word of God, but we don't have to stand up. We will sit down and still reverence the word of God. The word of God is alive. Amen. The word of God is alive. It is living. This word is not just words on paper. As we heard in Power this morning, we read the written word because the written word reflects the living word. And the living word is what we understand as the holiness of God in us. When we say Holy Spirit, we're saying the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness. The spirit of holiness. Holiness just means being separated from the world, separated unto God. Because God is different than the world. God is bigger than the world. And thank God for the word of God. This morning we're going to look at. The powerful word of God. And this is a message for the church this morning. This is a message for the church because we know that there is, you know, when we're, we're reading and studying and there's people around us that are not really saved. They're really here. They're listening and on Zoom and on Facebook Live. But do you really, really know the Lord? Some things in scripture are for those that don't know the Lord. But most of it is for those that do. This is a message for those that really know the Lord. And I'm going to show you some distinguishing marks as to those that really believe in who God is. And those, as we said in Power Hour, that believe but don't have faith. Because belief just means you hear it, you, you have it in your head. But faith takes it a step ahead and it says, I'm going to not only believe what God's word says, but I'm going to do what his word says. I'm going to trust in him, what which his word speaks about. 
This morning we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at just about five verses. I'm actually going to uh, read from the Amplified, the text, which is the, the verses in 1 Peter. The rest of it will probably be New Living Translation. So if you don't have those ver- versions, of, if we can get it on the screen, that would be great. But if we don't, don't worry. But I'm, I chose the, the, the Amplified this time. I don't usually do that. But in this case, I chose Amplified because Amplified does something that the rest of the, the, the translations does. It gives the flowers in the scriptures. It brings it out and it gives you a better visual picture of what the Word of God is saying. It doesn't change the meaning, but it makes it a little bit more more bountiful, more full. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be looking at 1 Peter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 4 through 9. I thought I'd read before it, but and usually I will, but this time I'm not going to do that. But we're going to have a as a focal verse, verse 9, but we're going to read. Let's see, that's verse 4. Yeah, we're going to start at verse 4. We're going to read through, and then we're going to come back. And this is a... Uh, The title God gave me was God's Royal Priesthood. And this is right out of the text. God's Royal Priesthood. You know, when we are not saved and we grow up in things and we think about, why am I here on earth? What is my purpose here? But once we get saved, we're no longer asking that question. But we do have another question is, what is it, Lord, that I am to do for you? Since you have saved me, since you have changed me, since you've opened my eyes, since you have brought me from darkness into light, what is my purpose as a saint? And that's what we're going to look at in that verse, verse 9. It starts out, and I'm reading again, Amplified. It says, yes, thank you. We got Amplified on the, on the screen there. It says, come to him, the risen Lord, as to a living stone which men rejected and threw away, but which is choice and precious in the sight of God. You believers, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy and dedicated priesthood. Underline that if you have your Bibles. Holy and dedicated priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. You can underline spiritual sacrifices as well. That are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen stone, a precious, honored cornerstone. And he who believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on. That word belief is not just you understand it in your head, but the Amplified brings out the meaning of that word belief. It means To adhere to, to trust in, and to rely on. So adhere to, that means just what? Stick to it. It's like something to stuck to. That's that's the difference between believing it here and faith. Faith is you stick to what God said and what God means, what he says. Trust in. That means that you are you are now putting your trust in what God said he will do for you as your father. As in that relationship that you have with God. And relies on. Rely on means to lean upon. It's like you're leaning on something because you don't want to fall. So you rely on. You lean on the Lord. And lean on his word. So it says, he who believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him, will never be disappointed. And then Amplified adds this. In his expectations. You see, there's a difference when you say you believe something, and you, but you want God to do it the way you want him to do it. But your expectation should not be to what does, what does it, I think the outcome should be. Your expectation needs to be what will God do in his, purpo- in his purpose and in his plan. God has purpose and plan even in circumstance. God has purpose and, pl- and, and plan even in hard times. Even when things don't seem to be going right, God has plan and purpose in those e- experiences. Because the only way you're going to understand how to trust God, the only way you're going to know that God is on your side is when you're going through trouble. 
The only way you're going to understand this is when you realize that here I am, everything is fine today, then all of a sudden I go through and all of a sudden, bam, the, 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 you know, the walls fall in. You know, there's a big hole, I fall into this big hole, and everything is going upside down. And when you go through that time period in your life, and then God brings you through, then you can say, oh, now I get it. You wouldn't have got it if you hadn't gone through that. You wouldn't have got that. You wouldn't understand God is a healer if you didn't get sick. You wouldn't understand that God is a provider if you didn't have lack. You wouldn't understand. You have to go through circumstances. James says it. He says the trying of our faith. That means the testing of your faith. Faith has to be tested. It's only tested in circumstance. Amen. And I haven't even talked about the lesson here. Let's see. Well, let's see where we're at here. Oh, see where did I end up here? Okay, so verse 7 says, let's see. Okay, we're on verse 7. says, this precious value then is for you who believe in him as God's only son, the source of salvation. I'm bringing these things out because when we get to verse 9, you're going to see that he says the first verse, the first word in verse 9 is but. So when there's a but there, you need to know what was before it so you know what the but is about. All right? So this is why we're going through this. It says, uh, then it's for you who believe, right? Believe what? In him as God's only son, the source of salvation. The source of salvation. So it's not that you just believe, but you believe that he is your savior. But, so he says, listen to this. This precious value then is for you who believe. In him as God's only son, the source of salvation. But for those who disbelieve, those who don't believe, the very stone which the builders rejected. In other words, this is a big piece of rock that was thrown on the side because they didn't think it was of any value. The stone which the builders rejected. You got to understand what's going on here. They built their their structures with flat stones. A lot of them were built with flat stones. They would stack them on each other. And some of the stones they wouldn't use. They'd throw it to the side. They didn't think it had any value to it. In our day and age, we would, we would compare this to uh, what we, when we build a building, we would do what? We build it on what? A slab. It's the same thing. This is the slab. This is the foundation stone. And he says this very stone which the builders threw away and didn't think there was any value, the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone. He has become the foundation. The one they thought, remember when he said he came to his own, his own received him not? They cast him aside. They said, who is this man who, who we don't even know who his father is? This man who was a Galilean, the place where nobody goes, nobody wants to be around those people. The one who did things on the Sabbath day. Healed the sick. Gave, gave sight to the blind on the Sabbath. This guy, we don't want him. So they cast him aside. The stone that the builders, the builders meaning the, the, the religious leaders, rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's not just part of the building. He's the foundation, the whole thing. So verse 8 says, and a, and a stone of stumbling. So the same one that became the foundation is now for you who don't believe a stone of stumbling. He's become a big hat. He's become a piece. You know, you know, you have people in your life and you just, they're just there and they're just messing with your life. They just, you know, they're in the way. That's what Jesus becomes to people that don't trust him, that don't believe in him, that want to be disobedient to him. He becomes their stumbling block. He becomes that thing they want to eliminate, move somewhere else. The same thing we see in our country today where, they're, where we're passing laws where we don't want people to even talk about God. We want to keep God in church on Sunday. You leave him in the church building and when you walk out that building, put the padlock on the door and leave him there. And the rest of the week you do, you do what we say do. That's what he's called. They're called. The, he's he's saying that this is a stumbling block for those that don't want Christ. And to this, they who reject him as savior were also appointed. They were they were appointed to this condition where he becomes their stumbling block. 
You know, God says that if, if those that don't believe, they keep believing and keep going in that way of, of disobedience and rebelliousness. You know what he said? He said he turned them over to a reprobate mind. To the point where your mind is seared. You know what searing does? You know what searing is? You know when you got the meat on the grill and you take the spatula and you push it down and you press it down so that the underside gets real what? It gets hard. And so that becomes the condition of the heart where they cannot, where though even the word of God won't even penetrate. That's what disobedience will do. Now, verse 9. This is our focal verse. It says, but you. So the unbeliever, that's their condition. They're in disbelief. They're in disobedience. That Jesus, the word of God, the things of God have become a stumbling block to them. But you. You are different. Here's where we come to the conclusion. Here's where we come to the answer to the question. What, not why am I here? We know why we're here because God's, we're, we're in church and we're saved because God saved us. But here's what it is we're going to ask now. What, Lord, do you want me to do? Remember uh, uh, Isaiah in chapter 6 of Isaiah. After he saw God and after God took the tongues, sent the angel and took the tongues of fire and cleansed his lips. Because he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I've dwelt among a people of unclean lips. Before my eyes have seen the Lord and his glory. After that happened, after God cleansed him, this is where Isaiah's ministry actually begins. Because God asks the question and he says, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And then after his lips were clean, after he realized God had healed him and cleansed him from his unrighteousness, he says, here am I. Send me. How many would want the Lord to send me today? How many want to go, go for the Lord today? Because that's what we're going to be looking at in these verses. He says, you are a chosen race. Chosen. Let me read it and then we're going to go back, go back to it. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. We're going to camp out on that royal priesthood for a few minutes too. A consecrated nation. A special people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim. Here's the answer to your question. What I'm, why am I saved? I'm not saved just to walk around and tell people I'm saved. I'm not given the, the power of God and the authority of God to walk around and say look at the power. He says so that you may proclaim and you're not going to proclaim you got power. You're not going to proclaim it. Look at all the gifts God gave me. Listen what it says. You may proclaim this. The excellencies. Got to underline it. Well, you don't have it. You don't have amplified. The excellencies. And then the amplified says. The wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him. That's why you have the power. That's what you do. Why you have the authority. That's what you're going to go do. This is why you're saved. To go and proclaim. To proclaim. The wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you. Out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. You've been called. But first you were what? Chosen. You go to the store and you go into the vegetable aisle and you look at those apples and you don't pick the first one you see. You pick the one that's just right. And you feel it. And sometimes you may even smell it. You know you don't smell anything, but you smell it anyway. But you select the ones that you want. You select the ones that look the prettiest. The ones that feel the, 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 the solid or the juiciest. You were selected. And I'm going to tell you something. You were not selected because you had beauty. You were not selected because you were intelligent. You were not selected because you, you, know, you have money already in the bank. You were not selected because you know president whatever. I ain't going to say that. But you, that's not why you were selected. Let me tell you why you were selected. You were selected because you were broken. You were selected because you were like a pot that had a big hole in it and you couldn't carry anything in it. He wanted you. Why? So he could remake you. He could rebuild you. He could make you something that you never even dreamed of because he saw you before found the foundation of the world. He knew the things that you were going to go through in this life. And he said, I can use that one. I can use that one. 
that one that is nobody else wants him, I, will, I can use that one. Nobody likes him, I can use that one. The one, he's got, he's got, he's got disabilities, but I can use that one. The ones that are, that are outcast, the ones that, that don't, you know, they don't look good, I can use. He said he takes the foolish things that confound the wise. Not the things I would do, not the things you would do, did God do. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. He does things differently than we do. He doesn't choose the things we would choose. But he's bigger and smarter than we are, isn't he? Isn't that something? So what does he do? He takes a pot out of a dumpster that's been thrown out, picks it up with his big hole. The, you know, you know, have a teapot with no the handles broken off of it. He picks that one. He says, "I can use this." And you know what he does with it? You got to take that pot. You can't just patch it. You have to remake that thing. You have to grind it up. Make it powder again. You got to mix it with some water. You got to make more clay. Then you got to start forming it and, and making it. And then you got to make it in the, into the design you want it. And then you got to put it in the furnace. And heat it up and get it hot again. It's in the form, but it's not quite ready because it hasn't been through the fire. This is our life. Sometimes you don't know what section or what season of that, of that making of that pot you're in, but you're in one or the other. You're either in the breaking. You feel like things are going on crazy in your life. It's because he might be breaking you. He might be breaking you. You feel like he's, you know, everything's going cuckoo around you. He might be forming you. You know, he's, and then after he forms it, he has to put it on the, on the, on the, the, the wheel so he can mold it. You might be, think life is spinning around. I'm going crazy because he might be, he might be forming you. He's making you what he already sees in his mind that you're going to be. And then when it's all formed, now you think you're looking good, don't you? Have you been through the fire? You still ain't ready. You got to go through the fire. He puts you into the oven and it go, it, it's going to get hot. Let me tell you something. It's going to get hot, but you're going to survive this. You're not only going to survive it, but you're going to come out looking good. Oh, yeah, you're going to look good. And then he's going to put the, out, the outer coating on it. But it's what's on the inside that's what's going to be, what's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So look at this. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're here today because you're, you have come out of darkness. I don't know about you, but I've come out of darkness. But even since I've come out of darkness, I, you know, and we're going to be looking at first Peter. Uh, we're looking at first Peter. And I, I didn't mention, but Peter is an interesting guy. He wrote this having been through a lot. Peter was among the 12, of course. And Peter was of the, in, of the inner circle of Jesus. You know, he had his inner circle. He had Peter, James, and John. P Peter was one of those. And Peter had a, a condition that I, most of us have, may have, may or may not have, have, have had. I've, I've had this condition. It's called foot-in-mouth disease. Anybody ever put the foot in the mouth said said something you wish you, had, you could take it back? You wish you shouldn't have said that. Peter had foot and mouth disease. So Peter went through a lot with Jesus. He went through a lot after Jesus died. He got depressed and went fishing. And Jesus had to go get him and bring him back. But Jesus never left Peter. When he rose from the dead, he said, go and tell my disciples and Peter. Because he knew Peter wasn't even with the group no more. He had gone off because Peter had done something. He had messed up. He had denied him three times. And he was so depressed. He had... He felt like I've failed God so bad. He's never going to want me. That's not how God works. God's love for us is bigger than our mistakes. It's bigger than our failures. He still loves you even when you mess up. And we can come to God. And he's open arms. Read the story of the prodigal son. If that father was waiting every day for that son to come back. And when he saw him in the distance, he didn't wait for him to get back so he could scold him and tell him, you shouldn't have left, you didn't spend all your money. He ran to his son. 
he ran to him and he hugged him and he gave him the robe and he put the ring back on his finger. Let me tell you something. That father never stopped being his father even though he messed up. He's still your father. And not only was he still his father, but that child who didn't recognize, he says, I'm going to go back and be a servant. I'm going to go back and ask the Lord. He goes, Father, make me a servant. Just let me work for you. That's all I, I he said, you know what? He, he said, I'm always going to be your father. You don't stop being my child because you mess up. Look at, look at us. We had, how many have made a mistake before? Okay. See, does, he still loves you. I don't know how, but he does. So, before we get into that, I'm, I'm going to try to hurry. Verse 6, real quickly, when we read verse 6, it does, it does something I was telling you about. It distinguishes between believer and unbeliever. And, and here's how it does it. It says, he that believes, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on. That's what belief means, and I think I already mentioned that. And verse 6 is, is, is coming from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. He's talking about the stone, the chosen stone, the, the cornerstone. That's from 20, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. And verse 7 and 8 says something interesting. It talks about value. It talks about the value of salvation. I believe it's in Mark. It says that what shall a man, what shall, uh, uh, how's it go? What, will, what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What is he saying? The value of a soul. The value of your soul is why Jesus paid that heavy price. Because your soul was so valuable to God. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53 it says that it pleased the father to bruise his son. And Jesus, and Paul talks about it in, the, in uh, I think it's Paul, he says, he says, for the joy that was set before him endured that punishment, torture, not considering the shame. People talking about him and cursing at him and spitting on him and slapping him. The crown of thorns and the bleeding. He says he didn't consider that a thing to slow him down from getting to the cross. So let's look at some of these verse, some of the, some of this verse. He says, first of all, he says, "You are a consecrated nation, a holy consecrated means holy, ceremonially clean, set apart, set apart for the Lord, set apart from the world." That's what holy means. People talk about I'm, you know, holier than thou. It's not about being holier than thou. It's about being different. It's about being separate. From the world. What do I mean by the world? Because we live in the world, right? Can't get out of the world. The scripture says we are in the world, but what? We're not of the world. In other words, we don't follow the dictates of how the world works. We don't do things the way the world does it. We don't do it according to the remember that there's a God of this world. His name is the devil, the Satan. Right? He has led this world in a direction, but we're not supposed to go in that direction. We're not supposed to be followers of the world. We're supposed to be leaders of and leading people out of the world into the kingdom of God. And this is what we're going to be looking at in, this, in these verses. It says, uh, so ceremony set apart from the world to God. So a consecrated nation. 1 Peter 1.16 says, it is written, be ye holy. That word holy and uh, uh, sanctification and holiness, same thing. Separation. From the world separated unto God. So verse uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 19 says. And it's interesting that he's talking about, about sin and ceremonial cleansing. He goes into a lot of part, talking about immorality. Immorality is big in this nation. It's big around the world. Immorality. I'm not going to get into the details of immorality. I'm going to just read what it says. It says, run from sexual sin. That's 1 first first Corinthians 6.18. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who lives in you and was given to you by God. You didn't, don't you know that? You do not belong to yourself. And we hear this thing out in society right now. It's my body. I can do what I want to do with my body. Okay, well, if you don't know the Lord, I can understand you saying that. But for those that know the Lord, you've got to go by what the word of God says. It says your body does not belong to you. It belongs to God. First Peter, yeah, we read that. So, uh, so he says we are a possession of God. Purchased, bought with a price off the auction block from slavery and darkness. And to freedom and life. First Corinthians 16, I mean, First uh, Corinthians 6, verse, we read 18 and 19. And verse 20 says, for God bought you. You are not your own. He bought you. With, he said he, he, he bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You honor God with your body. And that means you can't just say, I'm going to do this is my body. And yeah, God gave me this body to do it. No, you belong to God. I hope. Amen. So let's see. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now Jesus gave us that uh, assignment, as we call it, the Great Commission baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he says you are a royal priesthood. That word royal has to do with power. When we talk about royals, we're talking about a, a, a king. You have the power of the king. You have the authority of the king. I'm talking about what that word it says. We are a royal priesthood. Let's talk about that right quick. Royal priesthood. Royal meaning from the king or from the king's line. Priesthood is from the priestly line. Two different lines. You remember that the, the, the 12 sons, the 12 tribes, the 12 sons, you had Levi. Levi became the leader of the Levitical priests. When God gave land grants to the, to the children of Israel through Moses, uh, the Levites didn't get land. The Levites were to take care of the temple, to take care of worship, to take care and to make sure that sacrifices were done. So when we think about what a priest's job is, the, tr the priest's job is, is threefold. The priest's job is to offer sacrifice, which is the, the blood of bulls and goats. It's also to offer incense. Incense is representative of a prayer. Right? So the priest's job is to take care of the business of God. The king's job is to take care of the building. He has the power. He has the authority. He might be standing up against other nations. But let me tell you something, what the, what the king's job also was, something that we may not have ever even considered. I think I left out a page. Oh, I think I did. The king's job also, I think it's in, let me see, I think I do have it here. In Proverbs 25 and 2. Proverbs 25 and 2 says, search out. This is, this is what the, 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 the job of the king was. Listen to this. What you may not understand is when we talk about the job of the king, we know his job is to, is to lead. But think about the books of the Bible called the wisdom books. The Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Do you know those were written almost completely by kings? Almost completely by kings. Half of the Psalms, 73 of the Psalms, were written by David. He was a king. Proverbs written by King Solomon. Ecclesiastes, that's King Solomon. 
Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, King Solomon. Most of the wisdom books in the Bible were written by the kings. So what am I saying? I'm saying, yeah, the king's job, yeah, is to lead, but it's also to make the matter known. That's why he says, search a matter out. It's to lead the nation by godly principles. And that's what, so, so we have a king <clears throat> whose job is not just to lead, but to teach. But the other job of the priest was also to teach. Remember that when the children of Israel were brought out of Babylon, three men are involved. Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. The book of, of Ezra was written for two people, Zerubbabel and Ezra. And the interesting part about this, Zerubbabel, he was descended from David. He was of the kingly line. Ezra was descended from Levi of the priestly line. So what am I saying? I'm saying to rebuild people's lives, you need both. You need people to come and rebuild. We just read where the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. That means you don't just lead a person to the Lord and then leave them to their own whims, their own desires, because the world is still out there. We have to not only bring them to the Lord, but we have to help them to rebuild their lives. We have to re help them reshape their lives. And as high priests, we pray for them and with them. We teach them the word of God. We teach them worship because they had to offer sacrifice. Remember, the priests offered the bulls and the, they offered sacrifice. That's worship. That's telling God, we are so thankful for what you've done for us. And we know you did it. You brought us the crops that, we are be, that we're able to, 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 to pick. And we're able to live by the food that we eat. We, you gave it to us. That's worship. But we teach them the word. Remember Ezra came down after Zerubbabel built the, all, the, uh, the temple. Zerubbabel built the temple. He's the builder. He's the king's, king's line. He built the temple. Ezra came and Ezra cleansed the temple and reestablished worship because he had the word of God. You remember that story when Ezra started to read the word. People were standing up and they were listening to the word all day. And they wept when they heard the word because they hadn't heard it in so long. It just moved them and they realized how sinful they had been. And that's what the word of God is supposed to do. It's supposed to be like Chucky said this morning. It's a mirror. It's for us to look in the word and find our flaws. But in finding our flaws, we also find the solution to our problem. He says, if, who is, he says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful. He's just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why we study the word. That's why we love the Lord. That's why we sing these songs. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because what? He first loved me. That don't mean that he, he, yeah, he loved you first. He loved you when you didn't even know him. And his love for you doesn't stop. It didn't stop when you messed up. It didn't stop when you walked away from him that time. And you, you stayed away from church. You stayed away from the saints. You stayed out of prayer. You didn't pray. You didn't study the word. You weren't around the fellowship. He still loved you. And he's just like that father and the prodigal son. He's waiting for you to come back. And he's, got, he's waiting with open arms. Just, just come back to him. He's, he, the Bible tells us there is no condemnation to them that love Christ. That walk not after the, the flesh but after the spirit. So come back. I don't know, the message wasn't come back, but it sure, it sure feels like it. Come back to the Lord. Amen. Let me see where am I at. I think I'm about done. So, yeah. so, yes. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them what? To observe all things I have commanded. I, and then he says, Lo, I am with you always. Even to the end. Even to the end I'm with you. Even when you leave. I'll be there when you come back. Yes. So. 
This is what we want. I want to leave you with. That royal, holy, dedicated priesthood. Royal. That means you have the power, but use the power to love. You're holy. You're set apart unto, unto the Lord. The, and it says in, in Psalm 4, 2, it says you can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will answer when I call him. Aren't you glad God answers when you call him? And then it says it's a, it's a dedicated priesthood. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The work you do for God is not for nothing. It pays in the end. And then it says a dedicated priesthood. So we teach, we pray, and we worship. We teach the word of God. We pray and intercede for others that know you but have issues. We pray for those that don't know you that they come to know you. To, to know the Lord. So we have an assignment. This is why we're saved. Not to walk around and say look at me I'm saved. But you have an assignment. Your assignment. Spread the word of God. Teach the good news that Jesus came. He died for sin. Yeah, we're sinners. Somebody had to do it. Somebody needed to do this. Jesus did not come from heaven down here and go through what he went through for nothing. There was a big problem and there was only one solution to that problem and he fixed it. Be a teacher of the word of God. Doesn't mean you have to teach up here. It does not mean that. It means that you study the word of God. And when you go out, you see your family members, you see your friends on the job. Where you go, you have a, an abundance of riches in his word inside of you. Use them. But remember, the scripture says, he that winneth souls is wise. So that doesn't mean go out there with your Bible under your arm every time you got your, your Bible. You know, it's lunchtime, I'm going to go study my Bible. I got my big Bible under my arm. I want everybody to see me study my Bible. No. No. Be wise. Do, you can tell a person biblical, godly things without telling them it's from the Bible. Because the things of God are, are still good, whether you say the verse in Scripture. But you can still give them the wisdom of God. Be a teacher of the word. Spread the word. Be a prayer warrior. Doesn't mean you have to be one of those that comes up here and be able to pray really articulate prayers. A prayer warrior is, you know, you, where's the warfare? You can have a closet. And make that your prayer war room. How many saw the movie The War Room? Oh, almost all of us. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. You can have a prayer room in your garage. You can have it in your shower. Anywhere you can go in solitude and just talk just you and the Lord. Read his word and just listen for him to speak back to you what things he wants you to hear. Be an intercessor. And finally be a worshiper. When we sing these songs, we're worshiping the Lord. We're letting the Lord know that I believe you're good. I believe you love me. I believe you've done all you've done in my behalf because I need you. Amen. Do you love the Lord today? Give the Lord a hand praise. I'm sorry I went a little long. <laughs> I should have, when I got started, I should have told you I'm not going to be before you long. <laughs> I decide I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm just going to say I'm going to be a while, you know. But praise God. God wants us to be intercessors. He wants us to be prayer warriors. He wants us to be worshipers. And let the world see that God changes us. He changes our lives. He can take you from a place of darkness and depression. I like what Sister uh, Christy read this morning. David in that psalm was depressed. You think people that know the Lord don't get depressed? Yes, they do. They get depressed. They get emotionally upset. They get anxiety. Because just because you got saved, you didn't jump out of the flesh. Your flesh is still there. And you're going to have these issues. But you go to the Lord in prayer. Because when you go through the Lord in prayer and the Lord brings you through, guess what? Somebody's coming along right behind you that's going to need the same advice. And you can tell them, I've been there. And I called on the Lord and he answered me. And he does great and mighty things which we would not even 
even dream. He fixes problems in ways you never have thought of. He does things in awesome ways. Remember that story about Elijah? Elijah heard uh, heard an earthquake. God was not in the earthquake. There was a fire. God was not in the fire. There was a wind that was so strong it broke the rocks. God was not in the wind. And in a still small voice, Elijah recognized that's God. If you know God's voice, you know the difference. Sometimes it's just noise. But sometimes it's God. Amen. Amen. Sing that. Let's try it. Long way, long way, long way. from my mighty long way. Come on, from my mighty long way. Try it again. Drive me from my mighty long way. Let us stand and those that need prayer, just lift up your hand real quick. I know that we all need prayer. We're going to be praying for our pastor as he gets ready for his procedure coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to be praying for Brother Mark. Amen. Mama Sonia. Praise God. We're going to be praying for Brother Ben and Geraldine. We're going to be praying one for another. Amen. We all need the Lord. We all need prayer sometime. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're barely above the ground. But we all need the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, this afternoon, we're just here to say thank you. We're just here to say, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us, all you've done for us, all you're doing, going to do for us in your time. Lord, according to your purpose, we read your word. It says that you know the plans you have for us, plans of good, not evil, to give us a future and a hope. And so, Father, we're thankful for that blessed hope that Jesus purchased for us, God. We thank you he purchased not only our pardon, But he provided us with blessing and promise of eternal life. And so, Father, we love you today. We love you, we love you, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for those in need today, God. Those in financial need, Lord. Those in need of physical healing, God. We thank you. For God, we know you are a great physician that heals the sick. And you are our provider. 
We thank you, Lord, for all that you already have done. We call those things that be not as though they were. We are looking for the answer, Lord. We're waiting, God. We're waiting, as your word says, patiently. Lord, we don't do it. We know you don't do what we do. We don't, you don't do it in our time, God. But one thing we learned, God, you may not come when we want you, but you're always right on time. So we thank you today, God. We thank you for those that are hearing in the sound of my voice and those that have heard the word. We thank you for the word of God. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. We bless you, Lord. We know, Lord, you're taking care of those problems that are on our hearts and on our minds that have kept us up, kept us from sleeping good. God, and we're laying them before you right now. We're laying them at the altar. We're laying them at your feet, God. We thank you. You're bigger than our problems. You're bigger than our worries. You told us to be anxious for nothing, to worry about nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known unto you. Not, Lord, because we think you don't know, but because you do know. And that we are letting you know that we're laying him at your feet and we're trusting you today. Oh God, go before us, Lord. Hear the prayers of the many out there, Lord, and those that are unspoken requests. God, go before us. Go be- prepare the way before us as we prepare to leave this place, God. And not your presence, Father, but we go ahead and trust you, Lord. We're going to leave here no longer with worries, no longer with concerns. We're going to leave here as the man whose son was healed. He went home nice and calmly trusted because he knew that you were bigger than distance. Oh, we thank you today. Thank you for what we don't yet see, but for what we're going to see. Lord, bless that box on the wall. Thank you, Lord, for those that are givers. We thank you. You've given us a heart to be givers. We thank you today, God. And as we leave this place, not your presence, go before us. Preparing the way, touch our homes, touch our families, touch our situations like no one else can. And we thank you for it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, praise.